Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week, we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 125, Passover with Eric Silver. I went to my first Passover last year, I think, or two years ago. And so it was really kind of nice to revisit something that I'm not too familiar with, but I have a basic understanding of. Yes, you know, a a really uh, generous and kind listener email um, to us a few months ago sort of said like, hey, I know you guys bring up a lot of uh, Christian stories since that's your background, but there are a lot of stories that you're only giving one side of. And like the the version of this story that exists in Judaism is totally different or more interesting, probably. And I thought that that was a really good opportunity for me to expand my perspective and to realize ways that I had been seeing the world in a way that was erasing other people. And I want to rectify that. So actually, this week, I want to jump ahead a little bit and recommend a book called Jewish Literacy, which has really been helping me to sort of have like a 101 on a lot of the stories in the Torah that I just didn't know about and different Jewish traditions and it was really well written. It's really uh, brief in each of the stories. So it kind of, you know, has very much like a 101 level, like a surface level description. But um, I'm already like having a list of different like additional reading that I want to go down. So that is Jewish Literacy by Rabbi Joseph Telushkin. If you stumble across one that you'd like us to cover, Amanda, on the podcast, let me know. I will do some research or find a good guest to cover it. And I think moreover, listeners, if you have any suggestions as to Jewish stories and holidays that you'd like us to cover, please let us know. Yeah, absolutely. We get a couple of emails every once in a while. Uh, Things haven't quite aligned, but this is the first one where things have aligned really nicely, and I'm really excited to cover it. And there's no better guest in the Multitude family to bring us the story of Passover and then Eric, who was, I think, our second ever guest back in the day with an episode on the Golem. That is true. Amanda, you know who I would like to bring to a guest to any dinner party? Would it be our newest patrons, Ashley, Elise, Ethan, Maline, Lisa, Zoe, and Catherine? Yeah, absolutely it is, as well as our supporting producer-level patrons, Philip, Julie, Eeyore, Mercedes, Samantha, Christopher, Kathy, Vinny, Danica, Marissa, Sammy, Josie, Neil, Jessica, Phil Fresh, and Deborah. And do you know who are the most, like, effortless hosts of all time? Is it our legend-level patrons? They always open the door for us, Julia, Haley, Sarah, James, Jess, Sarah T, Sandra, Audra, Jack Marie, and Leanne. All the best. Honestly, just give them all of the wine. Doesn't matter how old they are. Time for them to get drunk for the first time. Speaking of wine, Julia, we passed on the Manischewitz for this recording, but tell us what wine we were drinking. You know, I've been really into Syrahs lately, especially French Syrahs. I like something about the brininess of it, which I also thought was very fitting given the uh, conversation that we had with Eric, and you will see why later on in this episode. It was delish, and I've been learning so much about wine from our friend Emma at Pairing, Mm. so I appreciated the opportunity to expand my horizons in a wine way. Emma did inspire this this choice in an episode that I edited for her, which hasn't been released yet. I also wanted to recommend a second book this week, which was recommended to me by Eric, so I'm passing along. By the way, just want to, just a point of clarification, different Erics here. We have editor Eric Schneider of Spirits, who co-hosts the Urban Legends episodes with us. And we have Eric Silver, the DM of Join the Party and the co-host of Horse. They are different. They are. I I appreciate that everyone gets really excited and then tags the wrong Eric, though, almost every time. Yeah. And uh, on Instagram this week, we have a Name the Eric Challenge, where we posted a photo of both Erics. So please go to at Spirits Podcast on Instagram to see photographic proof that though they have similar shirts, they are different men. Name that Eric. 
So speaking of the Multitude fam, we are going to be visiting several places coming up. We're going to Ohio for the Spaghetti Gettageddon, the warehouse of Fettuccine Alfredo, the Boo Thai pasta capital of the nation. I like Boo Thai. That's a new one. Thinks. And we are going to be in Nashville in June for Pod X, as well as some other spots later in the summer, news of which is coming to you very soon. So for details, go to multitude.productions slash live. And there you can sign up for our newsletter, which is going to be, I promise, the very first place that you will hear about upcoming tour dates. I say it every time, but Amanda does a great job with our newsletter. It is both beautiful and informative. So sign up when you can. And I just put up a page on the website listing some bios about all of our hosts. I have a page with the like history of the word multitude and why we chose it. So there's good stuff on the website, multitude.productions. So without further ado, happy Passover. And please enjoy Spirits episode 125, Passover with Eric Silver. Julia, it's springtime. Do you know what that means? Uh, blossoms on the trees. Tree buds. True. Daffodils. That is also true. The return of our Lord Jesus Christ. The return of our Lord Jesus Christ. No, I I was going to say Passover. That was a really surprising interjection from you, friend of the show, Eric Silver. Hello. What's up? Oh, welcome. (laughs) It's true. You guys talk about Easter enough. I'm here to tell you about a cool, hip new holiday that's been around for over thousands of years. I like the cool new hip holiday actually predates the one that we're talking about, but I love it. Exactly. Because Christians just took things from other people. That's true. Ding. That's the show. That's it. <laughs> I need Stinger a sting there. on the end of that. Yeah. Well, th- welcome to the show. Please tell us about all of the cool stuff that we don't know about because our religion took the stuff that they could get their hands on and didn't <laughs> use it as meaningfully. If only there was a reason to have a celebration in the uh, season of spring, obviously. Yes. Yeah, so Passover, uh, I'm here. Welcome. I- I feel like a substitute teacher. I feel like I just showed up to this recording and like sat backwards on a chair. Um, we can get a chair for you if you require that to podcast. Yeah. <laughs> hey, kids. <laughs> He's just standing right now talking into a microphone <laughs> like a TED talk. It's Yeah, I, I have a Britney Spears uh, microphone on. Yeah, it was in his rider. We thought it was worth the investment. Well, Eric, you may remember, uh, if you don't listen to his other shows on Multitude, Horse and Join the Party, was a very early guest on Spirits in episode 11 on The Golem, which remains one of my personal favorite episodes. I think it's like the second or third guest, honestly. Yeah, I think you are a second guest. Um, And back again to talk about sports myths, which went over with mixed reviews (laughs) from (laughs) our Spirits (laughs) listeners. What we should have realized is that people want to hear us talking to guests, not just guests talking, even though they're guests who are so close to their family. Um, But we're very excited to have you back and to teach us more about Passover. Julie, have you ever been to a Passover Seder? Yes, for the first time last year, right? We did that? Or two years ago, I think. We went to a a friend Seder with Eric here. Yes, we did. That's right. Passover is a really great holiday for non-Jews to be a part of because there's an ethos about Passover and the Seder, which is going to come up a lot. The Seder is the celebration of Passover and literally the order in which you celebrate Passover. The Seder is supposed to welcome uh, non-Jews and any visitors that may be in the area to come in be a part of the celebration and eat and do all of the fun things. It's not an exclusive holiday. There's entirely a chance that one of your Jewish friends would be like, hey, Christina, do you want to come over and like and Seder it up? And then you, Christina, might be like, yes, Rachel, I would love to do that. <laughs> 
That sounds really fun. Don't turn down Seder invites. They are often very fun and have tons of very good food. The food is very good. Listen, I will. I can tease you three things that would make you want to go to a Seder right now. One, there is a mandatory four cups of wine. It is mandatory. The wi- the wine is so so though. Depends. It depends what how you how much you zhuzh up your seder. But no, it is man there is a mandatory four cups of wine. It is written into the into the seder that you have to drink four. Like I'm not just I'm not plying you with it. Like the Haggadah, like like it's it says so. This isn't me. This is this is what's written. I'm pro religion telling me to drink. Absolutely. Uh shout out Dionysus. Shout, shout out all the fairies that make you drink things. The second thing is that there is a, also a mandatory game of hide and seek where you might win money at the end. The best kind of game. Mm-hmm. And third, you get to open the door for a ghost. Ooh. Sweet. Love it. Really, it's not, it's not a party without a ghost. Am I right? <laughs> I mean, all parties have ghosts. We just don't know they're there. It's true. There is an acknowledgement of the ghost. You even leave a cup of wine for that ghost. Mandatory fifth cup of wine. It's haunted. (laughs) Very good. I think I'm just going to go through what the Seder is. Um, There are some very defined features of what goes into a Seder. And there's literally, as I said, Seder means order in Hebrew. So you have to go from one thing to another. And then surprisingly late in the Seder, the story of Passover pops up. So we'll get there as we go through. It's suspense. Invite you with wine. Figure out why you're there later. It's not a condo. It's a story of Passover. <laughs> it's a good one. Shout out to all the content on the internet for helping Gentiles figure out what Passover is. Because right now I'm reading from MarthaStewart.com. Oh. Because it was the most accessible <laughs> thing I could reach. So I very much appreciate that. Thanks, Martha. We like your horses. And your pies, which you cannot bring to this Passover Seder. Because main thing you need to know about Passover is that you don't eat any sort of grains you don't need flour anything that rises Mm -hmm. that's embedded in the passover story um everything about passover is about uh freedom from bondage it's about the um throwing off the yoke of someone taking controlling of you in this case it is the jews fleeing from egypt but really it's an allegory for any sort of uh, bondage or domination or um, oppression in the world. So you can, you might hear a lot of themes that absolutely make sense. And there's a reason why we talk about this every single year so that we never forget what it was like to be slaves in Egypt. And hopefully it informs uh, our lives as Jews as we continue through the year. And the fact is that this is during the spring. So it is like one of these spring festivals. The Jewish calendar is on a lunar cycle. So it moves throughout uh, the spring. But it is always in spring because like there's like nine leap years in the Jewish calendar. Nine out of 26 years, you have an extra month. So it balances everything out. I don't understand lunar years, but that sounds fascinating. Listen, you got 5,700 something years. You got to have your own wacky calendar. Yeah, I get it. (laughs) Okay, so here's how it goes. The first thing you do, I swear to God, is Kadesh. This is the first of four cups of wine is poured and you bless it. So like first things first, we're drinking wine, we're blessing wine. Let's get it going. This is the pregame. Do you show up early? Do you just kind of like show up and ready and sit down and start it now? Well, I mean, in all Jewish festivals, you have to sit around for a few hours and kibitz and eat snacks. But it's like you you need to start. Um, it's, it's really the, you're starting the festival off right. In this way. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a for anyone who has ever been to a Shabbat service or uh, maybe a Shabbat dinner on Friday night or Saturday morning, you know that blessing wine is like something you do right from the jump, something that Jewish children learn immediately. It's a huge deal. 
The next thing you do is called orchats. You wash your hands because you are about to do karpas, which is uh, eating a vegetable that is dipped in salt water. And you do a blessing over it and everything. So we're talking, it's remember, it's a spring festival. We're celebrating the fact that we have vegetables. Salt water is going to come up a lot because you can't do anything in Judaism without like acknowledging how sad everything is. Everything is about tears. So salt water is tears and also salt water. It's salt water. Yeah, but more so it's mostly tears. Everything we're going to talk about is symbolic. I have cried over vegetables often, so so far this is just lining up with my experience. Also setting us up for a history of brining and pickling. <laughs> yeah, pickle guys. It's directly related to Carpas. Yes. When, when I think about things I'm thankful for, pickling is among them. It always is. <laughs> I celebrate how much I love pickles. The next thing that we do is called Yaha. So this is the mandatory game of hide and seek. We are preparing the game of Afikomen. So Afikomen, you have three pieces of matzah that you have on the Seder table. And matzah, as you might know, is that crackery, terrible thing, which is the only thing you're allowed to eat that has any sort of like grains or leaven in it. The The symbol of this is that when the Jews escaped from Egypt, they, they say that there was not even enough time to bake uh, loaves of bread in the oven and probably let the yeast rise. So they took the uh, dough on their backs while they were running out and created this cracker, which is matzah. Again, it might be apocryphal. We kind of this is just like a thing that we do, but it it becomes a a standing symbol about what we do during Passover. So Yachatz, playing the game of Afikomen, you take the middle one from the stack of three, you crack it in half. And then this is like dessert. Afikomen is dessert. I'm like, okay, whatever you say. But (laughs) for a while, it means like you're ending the the feast, which is going to happen uh, after the story of Passover. And all of the kids get to run around and look for the Afikomen. The elder takes the Afikomen, hides it somewhere in the house. And the children, also Eric, (laughs) goes, tries to, uh, and goes to find it. And then there's usually some prize given out. Um, Sometimes there's money. Sometimes just the satisfaction that you beat all of your cousins at finding the Afikomen. But it's a huge deal. So the Afikomen is the largest pizza of matzah. Uh, that comes when you break the middle one they're all the same but you like crack the middle one in half and then you wrap it up in a napkin and then you hide it gotcha so and you redeem it for a prize yes it is (laughs) but sometimes again it should the avicomen itself is the prize as it is right i have an important question eric how competitive was this in your childhood extremely competitive i'm just i'm picturing you throwing elbows into small children to try to oh, like, I, get the prize. I, my brother and I were the youngest. So like I was throwing bows at like my older cousins. Dang, and it right. was a huge deal. And you have a twin brother. So you were set up for competition from the jumps. Yes. Oh, absolutely. It was a really big deal. You also need to like define boundaries. There's a lot of rule setting. <laughs> Let's set up the rules for this before we <laughs> first begin. First of all, it's only on grandma's first level. You can't go upstairs. It's nowhere where I can't reach because I am eight years old and it's very high. That would not be fair. What is it wrapped in? How many different pieces? How many different pieces? Are there any decoys? You need to let me know. (laughs) Like in Survivor, when they make a false idol in direct opposition to the commandments, may I add? It's true. Yeah, you need to give the Afikomen back to your grandma and your grandma says, this is in fact the Afikomen. And (laughs) and then the competition's finally over. I'm glad that your gamesmanship started off very, very early. I mean, what what did you expect? (laughs) I I just wanted to clarify. (laughs) So we'll, we'll get to the actual finding of the Afikomen afterwards, but that's everything you need to know about that. 
After that, we are getting into the actual story of Passover. And you pour your second cup of wine. Nice. Extremely important. Like any good story, it starts with a second glass of wine. In in Christian tradition, I know you say grace over a particular meal, but Jews like bless specific things. Mm-hmm. Like you are blessing the wine itself, but you only do that much, much like grace. You only do it right before you about to consume it. So right. you pour the wine and you have it, but you, you're not supposed to drink it necessarily you can, I mean, you can drink as much wine as you want. Like we're throwing down at the Seder and you get to do it twice. So uh, you can do whatever you want, but you need to make sure that you have a cup of wine at this time. Nice. Yeah, you can't, you can't like uh, do the blessing and then it can't decant for too long. You can let the wine decant on its own and you pour it and you're like, need a fresh blessing up on this one. Mm-hmm. When are you allowed to drink the wine as a kid participating? I remember being super stoked to drink wine at, uh, at Passover Seders in high school. But I feel like everyone else there was like, oh, yeah, no, this was this was just very used to it. Again, I mean, it's part of the tradition. I think a lot of kids had grape juice as a as an exchange. I feel like the Barbat Mitzvah line is very much like you could just say you're an adult and they'll give it to you. But again, like it's it's a holiday that involves your parents drinking four cups of wine. So it's pretty lax and you're at the other side of the table. So uh, you have the chance to uh, sneak it if you really want it. Mom, I'm just observing. What, mom? Mom, I'm an adult in the eyes of the Jewish of the Jewish faith. Please, I'm not gonna have less than my prescribed four cups. Okay, so we're gonna start the story of Passover, and interestingly, the story of Passover starts with questions. There is a tradition called the Four Questions, where the youngest child at the table is you are like it is this um, pantomime of everyone coming together and getting the story started. So the child starts out with the four questions. Um, which is, and it's a huge deal. The young, the youngest always needs to do it. My brother and I did it for like 14 years. So like from the ages of six to 20 something, we did the four questions every, every time. (laughs) Did you and your brother have to fight over who was technically the youngest? So who got to say it? Uh, my brother was technically the youngest. He, he would do it. Uh, we did, we shared it a lot, but after a while when I was like 19, I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. (laughs) So here are the four questions. The first one is, how is this night different from all other nights? So you ask the four questions and the answers come out as you tell the story. So the first one is, how is this night different from all other nights? Well, it's Passover. We're doing the celebration. On all other nights, we eat leavened bread, uh, chametz, uh, and matzah. So you would eat both bread and crackers. But why on this night do we only eat crackers? And that's the, the story of the bread, as I've told you. That means kosher for Passover. That's what that means. We were the first ones to be gluten-free. So, I mean, we were ahead of the curve. Um, on all other nights, we eat every vegetable. But why on this night we eat maror? So maror is horseradish. There's also a seder plate in the middle of the table and there's a lot of different symbolism uh, on it and i'll get to that as i tell the story but maror you need to think like this red or this gray horseradish Mm -hmm. and it's like well you know as i said we're celebrating something that's bitter i mean we escaped from bondage but people died and it's sad and it sucks and we need to acknowledge that before we go forward uh and finally on all other nights, we don't dip even once. <laughs> we never dip foods into no other foods. No tears on our vegetables most nights. Why? But uh, why on this night do we dip twice? So that's a that's a big deal. Is um you, you we end up dipping different uh, foods into the salt water. I know this isn't the context, but I can't help but like picture dipping like tobacco chewing. 
Oh, no. And it's just like gnarly. We don't dip even once. <laughs> we don't use any sort of dip. Not even once, Julia. You Not dip even one once time. Nuss. Yeah. <laughs> and on all other nights, we eat either sitting upright or reclining. Why do on this night, do we all recline? So this is a tradition where you're supposed to take a little pillow and you put it uh, behind your chair like you're chilling out. Uh, and again, this is as Jews, we are happy that we that we survived and we're going to chillax for a second. For once. For one. For once. Let, can I live? Can I live? <laughs> uh, yeah, that first question is more of like a setup question, and then you have the four questions. So he, here, this is the story of Passover. Ooh. Is everybody ready? Do you have your glasses of wine? I have a pillow behind my back, in fact. Yes, I am reclined. The story of Passover is the story of Moses. Uh, the Jews uh, left the ancient area of Israel, like the long, long ago area of Israel, before it was Israel, is Canaan. There was a giant famine that happened, that happened, and all of the Jews had to peace out and go to Egypt. And it was fine for a while. Uh, they were kind of, they were refugees within uh, Egypt. But then the new pharaoh came into power, and he thought that the Jews were going to rise up and kill him and take all of his stuff, as you do. And as people have always thought about the Jews forever, even though that's never been the case. So uh, there is then there was this decree that was passed down that every Jewish baby needs to be killed and thrown to crocodiles, as you do. So the idea there being that he didn't want the the people to grow, but just to enslave those who were already present. Exactly. Though the ones who are there are currently oppressed and they would never get an heir or a, a, a male child to rise up and uh, dethrone him. I mean, like, Jew, what would a Jewish man do as like a pharaoh? Like, that just doesn't even make any sense. To me, like there was never there's not this tradition of overthrowing the leader. I guess like just this this refugee group of people would just like rise up and cause problems, I guess. Uh, So baby Moses was born. He was smuggled out of his family by his mom and put in a basket and sent upon the Nile. And through the hand of God, baby Moses in his basket flows to the banks of the Pharaoh's palace and is picked up by the Pharaoh's daughter. So a male Jewish baby, instead of being killed by decree, ends up living in the home of the Pharaoh. Exactly. And they don't know that he's Jewish or that he is uh, part of the Hebrew people. You don't even have to listen to this episode. Just go watch The Prince of Egypt. Very good movie. I cannot confirm the chariot races, but everything else is pretty much the same. The music is also very, very good. Oh, yeah. That banger, uh, When You Believe. Mm -hmm. Love it. (laughs) Okay, so Moses grows up, he's about, he's of adult age, and he is like an advisor to the Pharaoh, I don't know, super, doing whatever. And he's uh, overseeing the Pharaoh, one of the many uh, Egyptian constructions that happens in Egypt, in ancient Egypt, as you do. He sees an Egyptian slave master beating a Hebrew, a Jewish worker. Um and Moses steps in to try to stop it. Uh, the slave master says no. And eventually, within the struggle, Moses kills the guy. And then he pieces out. He told he just runs away. He's like, I can't deal with this issue. I can't deal with these problems. I'm out. So Same. I would probably do that if I did an accidental murder. If you, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess he wasn't super confident in his ability to like get away with it, even though he was so close to the pharaoh. I mean, this is, I don't want to turn this into a true crime podcast, but like, (laughs) what really happened with Moses and the slave driver? We're going to drive between the cell phone towers and see which one pings. (laughs) (laughs) So Moses pieces out. He goes and lives in like the farmland of Egypt and he gets married and becomes a shepherd, as you do 
in in the Dora. Uh, so he wanders around. He's tending to his sheep, and he comes upon a burning bush. And you might have known this from this. This is where this comes from. Uh, a god speaking to a supposed prophet through something that's on fire. It came from this story. So the bush was not consumed. Huge deal. Always flaming. Always on fire. And Moses is like, the fuck? And then God was like, hey. <laughs> it me. Hey, it me. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the God. And, uh, and lo, God said, it me. G <laughs> boy. Yeah. And then, and then Moses was like, who dis? Uh, <laughs> so God told Moses who he was. He, he was, in fact, a Jewish man. And he was put in charge of taking care of, what, of what's going on. So, like, Moses was predestined to to defend, to do something for the Hebrews. Yes, exactly. I, it's not, like, prophecy necessarily, because there really is this direct connection between the character Moses and God speaking to him. So, it, it's not, like, um, it's not prophecy. It's, like, ur, it's the, the urge. It's mandatory. Yeah, it's God's divine hand. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, after Moses refuses it for a while, he eventually, like, screws up the courage comes back to Egypt and um, like Egypt prime. <laughs> the the si- capital city. The capital city. The, the titular Egypt. <laughs> From the eponymous EP, Egypt, parentheses, Egypt. I do appreciate that we're going like really structured hero's journey here because oh, you, you already have the reluctant hero. We're all Moses, set. the original hero. I mean, yeah. True. I know. This, listen, the sequels, the other books of the Torah, not nearly as good, but like you got to ride that heat. I wonder when they sold the movie options. After Exodus. <laughs> <laughs> Leviticus just kind of bombed at the box office. Damn. Got, got him. Was the burning bush just like the closest miracle you could see with your eyes that was available? Or is there a particular significance to this bush that burns but never uh, is like consumed? I think it is a miracle. Like only, and you will see this happening a lot. That God needs to prove to humans that he he is the one who creates miracles. Um, there is, of course, this idea that we know about mythology, and in, in ancient Egypt was no different. Like practitioners of quote unquote magic, because Osiris or Set told them to, and they could turn things into snakes or whatever. But like God is the only God, and is the only one who can create true miracles. So there's there's a very uh, strong division between the the Jews and what they have on their side and what the Egyptians had on their side. And is there a difference at this point? I guess the Hebrews are not yet Jews because they haven't been like summoned and given the rules. Yes, exactly. I mean, they, we haven't even gotten the Ten Commandments yet. That's actually what happens lo- long after the after the Jews have totally escaped Egypt and Moses goes up on Mount Sinai and gets the Ten Commandments. Like that, in fact, to me, is like when Judaism started. So they were Hebrews and then they became the first Jews. Yeah, I mean, I learned this in like a world history textbook that like they were called the ancient Hebrews. And like, I don't exactly know what time this happened. But in my head, it's always like the ancient Hebrews because they spoke and wrote in Hebrew. Yeah. The ancient, ancient Aramaic slash Hebrew, not the modern. You know, Hebrew was one of the only languages that was fully resurrected to be spoken in like actual language, like actual conversation. Like a formerly dead language that is now a a like living, thriving spoken language. Yeah. Like someone in Israel did this in like the in uh, once Israel was uh, founded for a few years, like they resurrected spoken Hebrew. That is super cool. Yeah. Like linguistically, it's really cool. Wow. Um, But 
and also that's <laughs> that's why there are so many funny transliterated uh like modern words in hebrew what happens when moses comes back to egypt are the jews gonna get free when are we gonna drink more wine next time on the second half of spirits <laughs> okay well let's go get our refill and we'll be back in just a minute So Amanda, as we were recording this, I think WrestleMania was not this weekend, but last weekend. And oh boy, it was a great, great time. But the thing is, WrestleMania is seven hours of wrestling. And I don't want to, I don't want to miss a second of it. So I didn't want to cook at all. So what I did do is I used DoorDash and DoorDash delivered so much sushi to my house. It was the best. So the best part about DoorDash is that it connects you with all of your favorite restaurants in your city. So I found my favorite sushi place. Ordering was easy. It was there on time. And it was exactly what I needed after a long day of watching all of my favorite wrestlers win their best matches. I was so proud. And maybe next time you'll discover a new restaurant near you because DoorDash has over 310,000 other amazing restaurants. Yeah, and it can connect you from door-to-door delivery in over 3,300 cities. That is a lot of cities. And all 50 states and Canada. Those are all the places. Canada. Wow. Julia, tell us what listeners can get if they download the DoorDash app and use the promo code SPIRITS at checkout. Well, right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code SPIRITS. The app is really useful. It is really easy to use. Highly recommend it. And that is $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app and you enter the promo code SPIRITS. Enter it right at checkout for $5 off. Yeah. Julia, speaking of spicy things and also stuff that takes a long time, do you want to guess what my segue here is? Taxes. Julia, it's taxes. And taxes are very challenging. Yeah. I support infrastructure and uh, public works (laughs) and a social safety net. But the process of filing taxes in the U.S. is excruciating. It is not a super pleasant process, but something that makes paying taxes and keeping on top of my accounting as a small business owner really easy is HoneyBook. This is a sort of all-in-one solution for small business owners. It can help you find clients, track your clients, track your time, bill people, make sure that you're checking up on your invoices and getting yourself paid for the work that you do. And the accounting systems make tax time a lot less horrible. So HoneyBook is actually offering half off, 50% off Spirits listeners for their first year of HoneyBook. You can use the promo code SPIRITS at HoneyBook.com to get 50% off your first year. The payment is flexible and the promotion actually applies whether you're paying monthly or annually. So you get half off right from the jump at HoneyBook.com. Yeah. So get paid faster, work smarter, go to HoneyBook.com and enter the promo code SPIRITS. Amanda, it is now spring as well, and I am so excited for spring, mostly because it means my guns come out, and by my guns, I mean my arms. You can't see me, listener, but I am flexing into the camera for Amanda. (laughs) Ooh, she's so muscly. Ooh, so muscly. And a lot of the fact that I can be so muscly is because of Care Of. Care Of is a subscription service that makes it easier to get vitamins, protein powders, and more personalized just for you and delivered straight to your door. Like I've told you before, Care Of has this incredibly detailed but also very quick personalized quiz, which tells you, hey, maybe, you know, I 
I have a couple of drinks each week. It would be nice if I had something to refresh my body after that. Or I go pretty hard at the gym this week. Uh, it'd be nice if my muscles felt better. And Karov is like, hey, we got you. Here's some Don't worry. Here's some science behind these vitamins that we're going to send you. And so they send you these personalized little care packages of vitamins right to your door. And there's 30 of them for the month. It's great. What's also really cool, and I just started using it now, is the Care of app. It actually allows you to earn rewards when you remember to take your vitamins, which is such a... Oh my gosh. As someone who needs to gamify so many simple things in my life, it is so, so rewarding. And I really, really enjoy it. I also want to take some time to talk about their protein powder because as someone who just started using protein power recently, I start using the whey stuff, but they also have some great plant-based protein power that one is non-GMO. It is plant-based. So it is also vegetarian and vegan and there's no gluten in there. So if that's the thing that bothers you, you don't have to have the gluten. That is awesome. So I have really, really been enjoying Care Of, as you can tell. So if you go to takecareof.com and enter the promo code SPIRITS50, that's 5-0, you can get 50% off your first Care Of order. And let me tell you, I really love Care Of. They do a great job. That is takecareof.com and the code SPIRITS5050 will get you 50% off your first Care Of order. Yeah, thanks Care Of. I'm taking care of my body now. Now, let's get back to the show. So as we last out our hero, he was riding back to titular Egypt. He gets a meeting with Pharaoh. And he's like, hey, let my people go. As you might have known, go down Moses, way down in Egypt land. Tell old Pharaoh to let my people go. Uh, and this isn't a spoiler, but Pharaoh's like, nah. And he goes back as Moses, not disguised or anything? Right. He comes back and Moses has wrestled with this command from God, but finally accepts it. He goes to the Jewish people, says that he's going to be a leader, and then goes and talks to Pharaoh. So Pharaoh says no. And Moses is like, okay, my God is a very dope God and he's going to wreck your shit. And Pharaoh's like, well, no. <laughs> so this is where the 10 plagues come in. The This is very ceremonial. Again, this is demonstrating the power of the... Old Testament God, and I use this only for the distinction between for Christians between the Old Testament and the New Testament God. New Testament God, Jesus is very soft, and he wants to help you, and he'll do miracles for you as a person. But really, the Jewish God, the, the one who fights for you and takes care of business, this is the one that brings the Ten Commandments down. Again, there's, there's going to be a reduction of joy. We are not happy that the Egyptians had to deal with this. Uh, but here we are. So when the reason why you have the second cup is because you take little drops of wine after every time you say one of the plagues. So you, you take little sips or you like drop it on no, a napkin? No, no, no. You, you don't drink it. You take it out and you put it like on your plate or on your napkin. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So you want to hear how fucking metal <laughs> these plagues are? Please do. And also know that every time I hear about the 10 plagues, I do picture the Rugrats Passover special. That's we'll g- the I will tell you, the Rugrats Passover special and the Rugrats Hanukkah special are like extremely good. There's a reason they're classics. It is the best Jewish representation I can I can tell you, honestly, 100%. Go watch Prince of Egypt. Go watch the, the Rugrats special. They're, they're perfect. Okay. So the plagues. One. Blood. All of the water is turned to blood, specifically oh, in the Nile. I like that we just start off as metal as possible. Like, hey, remember how you've been murdering a bunch of babies? Yeah, let's have a visual representation of that. Mm, absolutely. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's just number one. So two, frogs. Frogs everywhere. And not a drop to drink because <laughs> all the water is oh blood. <laughs> but also delicious. In the Prince of Egypt, there each each plague is like one after another, but there's no like 
proof that that is. So I like to imagine that all of these are happening at the same time. <laughs> like you wake up one Thursday, like Sharon, what's happening? <laughs> it's like frogs and blood. Oh, geez. Mondays. <laughs> Any one of these would be weird, but many of them is disturbing and makes me confront my morality. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the third is lice. The fourth is flies. So Ugh. big distinction between the two of them. Uh, the fifth one is pestilence. So we're talking like mad cow disease. Like all of the cows got sick and were gross. Wow. Talk about famine uh, resonance. Hashtag fam- famine resonance. Oh, no. <laughs> it's the death metal band that Amanda and I formed in college. <laughs> famine <laughs> resonance. After a, a deeply moving class on, uh, you know, diaspora narratives. Mm-hmm. Uh, six is boils. Seven is hail. Eight is locusts. Uh, so you can see there's a distinction between like my stuff, like my resources are getting ruined and me as a person is getting ruined. Like that's say, all you can do. Yeah. A lot of bugs. A lot of bugs. Yeah. And making, a ton of bugs. And making the environment very unpleasant. Yeah. Uh, nine is darkness. So like the sun didn't come out for like three days. And 10, which is the, the most important one, is the killing of the firstborn. So you can see that this is a direct response to um, the killing of the Jewish babies the killing of every firstborn male child of the Egyptians died. So this is what this is literally what Passover means. And you can see this is like the nuclear option. Many times throughout the plagues, Moses went back to Pharaoh and Pharaoh was still like, no, I don't care. I love these frogs. But when his his son died and his heir or parent died, he knew that he had to take uh, God seriously. Capital G, God. The way that uh, the angel of death could distinguish between, and there is a concept of the angel of death that I always thought was interesting uh, in Judaism. The way that the angel of death could distinguish between an Egyptian house or a Jewish house was that the Jews would sacrifice a goat, the literal scapegoat, take its leg, smear the blood of the goat over their door so that the angel of death would pass over them. And that is also the sacrifice, as we usually talk about in ancient uh, in ancient religions. And we still commemorate that by uh, having some sort of like sacrifice on the Seder. So you have like cooked goat or something on the plate as well? Uh, yeah, you can put uh, a lamb on there. Uh, some people put a yam on there so that it's the Paschal yam instead Aww, of the Paschal lamb. It's very good. Cute. I like that. <laughs> Um, you can also put a beat on there, which you can just, uh, there's something written about red. it, but like it's yeah. red and bloody and all that stuff. And also this is exactly how satyrs go. Like the story is like the majority part of it. Um, okay. So at the end, the Pharaoh finally relents, uh, lets the Jews peace out. But of course, halfway through, he changes his mind, like in the climax of the Prince of Egypt runs, uh, runs after the Jews, the Jews get to the Red Sea there is a sea in front of them. They have nowhere to go. Moses drives his staff into the ground. God parts the Red Sea. The Jews escape. The Red Sea closes around the uh, following Egyptians, and they all die. Again, sad, but we escaped, and it's okay. And that is pretty much the story of Passover. At that point, everyone is pretty hungry, but we still have more things to do in the Seder. <laughs> but there isn't. This we're going to get to the eating portion, which is very important. At some point, you probably drank the cup of wine, uh, and we're now at Rachatz, where we wash our hands again before the meal, uh, Motzi, where we do a prayer over breaking bread, and then Matzah, where we do a prayer for Matzah. So you can see there's a difference between praying for bread, as we usually do, and then you have to do a prayer over Matzah. Um, then you do Maror, where you eat the bitter herb, you eat the horseradish, which sucks, but then you do this thing called Korech, where you take a sandwich of Matzah, uh, Maror, 
and this thing called Horoset, which is supposed to be, uh, it's a symbol for the mortar in which the Jews had to put together blocks that eventually made up the uh, the pyramids. And it's like apples and honey and like nuts and stuff, and it really makes its paste. So you're supposed to have this this sandwich so that you ha- you remember what it was like to be a slave and the pain of that and smush it together with the thing that you escaped with, which hmm. was matzah. And then finally we can eat. <laughs> so we eat, grandma brings out brisket, candied carrots, turkey, it's fucking tight. Merrick, shout out to Merrick, Merrick, New York. Uh, just super dope. Oh man, I do love brisket. It's the best brisket. I want more brisket in my life. I got to figure out where your grandma gets her challah in, in Merrick and write that down for my future reference. It's very important. Very good. Dinner is over, and we uh, we do this thing. We third cup of wine goes with dinner. Where is the third cup no, of wine? No, you just in? like go to town. Okay, this is not. It's not a third cup of wine. Oh, so you you bless the second one, then you're like continue until four or more. No, 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 no. So you bless the second one and then you eat and you can drink as much wine as you want while you eat. And then the third cup of wine is coming up. But first you do the afikoman. So the children run around, they find the afikoman that is technically dessert. And then the meal is over. And then we can go to uh, the third cup of wine, which we pour. We do a grace after meals because in Judaism, you do your grace. You celebrate the food afterwards. Um, Then this is the part where you open up the door for the ghost. So you pour another cup of wine for Elijah. And Elijah is a prophet who, you know, he has a lot of different symbolism. For It's more like you're, you're welcoming in vis- any visitors that may be out there can join and eat uh, leftovers of the meal. Um, can celebrate in the end where it's mostly like singing songs. You can drink your wine. Uh, you also invite in just like the spirits of the of the holiday. Um, Elijah himself is supposed to check. I did research on this. He's supposed to check that everyone's circumcised, and he's like, "Good job." Oh, <laughs> and then he no. goes away because <laughs> he's he's also the spirit who's there. Well, he's during invoked a, at, at a bris, right? At every circumcision, yes. Yeah. So like, he's like, "Yeah, all the dudes here definitely circumcised," and then he gets out. But he has his own cup of wine, which I always thought was funny. I appreciate that there's a connection and not just like him coming in and be like, "Y'all circumcised though." <laughs> yeah. This what an invasive ghost. <laughs> Elijah, you can't just walk in and ask if someone's circumcised. Elijah, like this is inappropriate. My grandma's right there. (laughs) Then we're we're wrapping up. We have a fourth cup of wine for Hallel, where we sing songs and we do more prayers, and then Nirza, where you really get down and you sing uh, traditional Passover songs, which is my favorite part. My family uh, on my mom's side is extremely musical, so this was always a big deal. Um, there is like traditional, uh, there are traditional songs you sing and like everyone has their own version and it's a really fun time. And then everyone's sleepy and they drink four cups of wine. So everyone goes to bed Heck yeah. and that's how Passover is done. Whoa. How rich with meaning and also fun and delicious. You might've noticed how I ran through it <laughs> at the second half. And that's because that's how it do. <laughs> <laughs> you're all there to linger over the first cup. And then by the time three comes, you're like, all right. Got to get this done. I'm so, I'm so hungry and also full of wine. Yeah, I, well now I know you're you're full after eating when you were hungry for so long. So you like went to town on those potatoes. Mm-hmm, that's true. I always go yeah. to town on the potatoes, but that's an entirely different story. Listen, my grandma makes dope candied carrots. So like, mm. if your grandma doesn't like, get her on that tip. 
<laughs> on the Care D Carrot tip. You can ask Martha Stewart. Got all your all your questions answered at MarthaStewart.com. <laughs> what weird. is Passover? How do I candy carrots? <laughs> um, Passover is really an allegory for like everything that happens in Judaism. You were persecuted. God comes in, helps us. We get out. We don't love the fact that there needs to be this conflict, but we dealt with this. Someone tried to, as you can say concisely, someone tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. Um, there is a, a certain level of sadness, though, as you might get from the maror, the salt water that you dip the vegetables in and pouring out the wine. But it's important just to have some sort of like context or like awareness of like what we're going on. And this story, the fact that we tell it every single year is supposed to be resonant as you know, you read this thing called a Haggadah, which is the story of Passover and has the rules and maybe some teachings or some texts about what Passover might might be. Uh, what you might celebrate. And of course, like different people can publish whatever Haggadah they want. Like Jonathan Saffron Fower published one a few years ago. Um, there's always a new one that comes out every few years. So if you look at older ones, you can see what Jews cared about in specific time frames. Like uh, in the in the 80s and 90s, there was a lot of talk about Russian Jews who were kept within the USSR and weren't allowed to celebrate. So it was about like keeping in mind like our, our Russian Jewish brethren who are oppressed and are not allowed to uh, explore the religion. Um, I hope now in current ones we, we think about uh, the immigrant the immigrants to the united states i mean passover this year is going to be pretty buck wild when you think about it uh it's weird having uh, a passover where there are still obvious oppressors roaming around that don't want jews to live or be around uh and you know it's it it will always be i mean anything like this will always be relevant uh, in the present but i think this year in particular um, there's also something interesting uh, that you're supposed to say every year in Passover. Uh, at the end, it's Lishana Haba'a Yerushalayim next year in Jerusalem. Of course, mm. like there's the idea of the Jewish Messiah. Jesus was not the Messiah. Surprise. <laughs> Plot twist. Plot what? twist. Jesus was not the Messiah. No one told me that. <laughs> and uh, so we're still waiting for the Messiah to come. And the Messiah will bring everyone back to uh, ancient Israel and all the Jews will be able to kick it and it'll be fine. And there'll be no more war. No one will have conflict. Like the entire world will be fine. Uh, so we have this aspiration that maybe next year the Messiah will come and everything will be fine. Uh, of course, like it's symbolic. We don't want to go to necessarily to modern day Israel, but this the everything about Judaism is predicated on this idea of like a, a idyllic Jerusalem or an idyllic place where everything will be fine and no one will be persecuted and everyone can be who they want to be. I always thought this was interesting that this next year in Jerusalem ties so much with uh, this year by the mountain goats mm. because at the end he says in the the like the 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 bridge at the end he says there will be feasting and dancing in Jerusalem next year which is literally what we say on Passover and we know that John Darnielle has uh, a lot of knowledge of uh, Christian teachings and I can only assume Jewish teachings as well so the, these two things really connect in my head like this year we got through it we are celebrating the fact that we are not as oppressed as we were but we are still dealing with problems and conflicts and issues now and we need to continue to be aware and hope for better things next year yeah well it sounds like a commemoration of getting through one time and acknowledging who suffers in similar ways now mm -hmm. I mean I hope so uh, I can like any minority Jews are not a monolith like there are plenty of unaware and terrible Jews out there, but hopefully there's enough uh, self-introspection, especially around this time, 
uh, where we can understand what's going on. It, it's interesting. I, I just thought about this, but like Passover is on one side of the calendar with in the spring and the beginning of the year, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, when you repent, is in the fall area. So it's like you have these two times, really, where you can be introspective and we you try to remember the things that you did and uh, hopefully you are better in the future. Uh, sounds like we should be adding this year to our friend group Passover Seder as one of the songs in the end. Yeah. I don't know. Just my suggestion. I'm into it. Yeah. Let's all sing the mountain goats at that the end. traditional Passover song this year by the mountain goats. Mm-hmm. Do people add like cool and and strange things to their Haggadah? Yeah, I mean, depending on who you... Or is there more like a canon that you kind of make choices for your family, like who to include, like who to think of, maybe what lines to change or to add, like how much of a like living and customizable document is it? It definitely is a customizable document. I mean, a Haggadah is really just like the, the, the booklet you have on you to tell the story because there's a lot to talk about. I mean, I have like 10 different tabs open for me to properly. So it's like a genre and not a specific text. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like the Torah is the words, but like the Haggadah is just like a document that you put together that has the story of Passover in it. People make their own Haggadahs all the time. I mean, it's kind of like, what do you think Passover is for? Is it for education? A lot of the times it is. If you have Gentiles or you have children around, how are you going to teach them uh, what's ha- happening because I mean the hi- entire telling of the story of Passover is talking to a child and reminding them what, what happened oh there's a whole the thing that I missed was that around the time of the four questions there's this like <laughs> this story of a man who tells his four sons about Passover and one is the wise son and the wise son is like tell me all about the teachings and the and the <laughs> father's like here are all of the teachings you're kind of annoying but like here it is answer and my questions the- papa <laughs> and it's like oh so many questions but like fine go read this and then you have the rebellious son and the rebellious son is like is like Ugh, like if i was there i wouldn't have done that so you're supposed to like blunt it literally says the translation blunt his teeth and saying that like if you were there god wouldn't have saved you Damn. Whoa, that's dark, that's dark. <laughs> and then you have a simple son oh uh, no <laughs> start sharp decline and you have a simple son who's just like what are we doing and you're supposed to just tell him what you're doing and then you have a fourth son usually like your youngest son you're who's still a, a child who doesn't really know what's going on the child who doesn't know how to ask and you need to bring the story to them shout out to the simple son for asking the question that i probably would be too embarrassed to ask yeah the simple son's like I don't know. What is this? <laughs> what is this? What's going on? Why what is there a doing? plate? Why is grandma here? Why did she bring candied carrots? Don't question it. <laughs> it's such like one of those stories that they just use to like explain what you're the different ways you're supposed to talk about this. It's like you, you need to give the son who wants to know like all of the documentation so they can read it on their own and, and study it. But like you, the son who like asks you pointed questions, you just need to like God wouldn't have saved you. It's dark. There's like it's like they're different translations, but it's it's the wicked son or the rebellious son. And I always thought that that was interesting, depending on what the your idea of it. Like, do you have a your self your self hating son, or do you have a rebellious son who doesn't uh, who pushes back on the thing that you're trying to teach him? Of course, I guess this Jewish father is going to tell him to go fuck off, regardless. But whatever. But I appreciate the like. A we love a framing device here on Spirits. And also, I I like this acknowledgement that people learn and take in stories in different ways and that different people at different times in their life or based on their personality might need a different answer or might need a different like way in or focus for like the night and story that's about to unfold. Yeah, for sure. 
So I feel like we've really equipped listeners who may be going to their first Passover Seder this year or those who have always been going to, you know, understand and reflect in a new light. Anything else that we need to know? Passover FAQ. I think contextually, you need to know how long Passover is. So Passover is eight nights. Remember, this is a, a lunar calendar, so we're going from night to night. So Passover, you're not supposed to eat bread for eight nights in a row. So your Jewish friends will be crabby. Do not bother them. <laughs> uh, also, if you are invited to and if you are invited to a Seder and you hear that you are at the second Seder, know that you are not part of the... You're not the B-list. You're not the, B, you're not the junior varsity team and the varsity team was the night before. Um, through a lot of uh, understanding that there are Jews around the world, uh, Jewish holidays are added. An extra night of celebration is usually added on. So you do it twice because so that all Jews around the world are kind of like doing it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like you have one night and then you have a second night. So you have two Seders. Um, oh, so based on time zones. Yes. Like people oh, like the evening. Yeah. Like the evening falls in Eastern time zones morning in other places. Exactly. So like everyone can do it at, at, at night and it is all kind of close to Israel's time zone. Oh, cool. Like no one is doing it before or after each other and it, it gets confusing. So there will be two times. So your Jewish friends will also be eating, will also be drinking at least eight cups of wine over two nights. So also please be nice to them because they will not be able to eat bread and they're hungover. So, like, give them gluten-free egg and cheeses. <laughs> Ooh, egg and cheese on matzah actually sounds really good. Nothing mm. is good on matzah. You oh. know how you know if someone is Jewish or not? Ask them if what they think of matzah. And if someone says, <laughs> oh, I kind of like it. Oh, no, you don't, You are not a child of the tribe. But if don't, someone says, like, oh, yeah, matzah sucks, they're like, okay, I got you. Don't need to look for goat's blood above your door. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure. No, matzah sucks. Matzah is the absolute worst. But it's supposed to be the worst. I mean, it's a symbol. But, like, it... it, it it falls apart. You try to put cream cheese on it. It crumbles. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, everything is just you're trying to find replacements for the bread that you actually have. Matza sucks. Matza is bad. If there's one thing that you take away from this episode is that matza is bad. Uh, welcome to my uh, anti matza podcast. I'm in a podcast called Natza. I will so pass fun. over the matza. <laughs> oh, hello. Some new information has been discovered. Some new, I just uncovered some new information. Thanks, Vox. I was kind of wondering if the Passover story was hysterically accurate. Um, traditional Judaism says that Exodus happened in like 1446 BC, but there is no actual record of a mass Exodus happening from Egypt. I mean, we're talking about an entire group of people, 12 tribes that went into Egypt and then peaced out through the Red Sea. Um, some scholars looked for a historical event that matched up to the Ten Plagues or the Red Sea separating. There was a volcanic eruption sometime in the 16th century BC mm-hmm. that might have been one of the plagues. Other stories suggest that the Nile turned to blood, came from heavy rainfall that caused red clay to slide into the river. So it was just like infected. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no one really knows about the Red Sea. Some oceanographers have suggested that wind gusts or like a uh or an earthquake might have exposed an area of the seafloor but no one's really sure what i mean whether or not this really happened i think is kind of like moot at this point um it really is more of a a story to tell and retell and tell to others it is truly a myth in this way uh the way that you pass down values and traditions and ideas through storytelling and i like that how we tell it is as relevant and thoughtful as the stuff that we are telling yeah exactly 
Well, thank you, Eric, so much for coming on to the show and sharing such good Passover knowledge with us. Do you have any recommendations for people who may want to learn more apart from those epic texts, The Prince of Egypt and Rugrats uh, Parts 1 and 2, Hanukkah and Passover? (laughs) Honestly, no. I mean, I know that there's a lot of literature on this, but if we're talking about uh, getting everyone in your life to understand understand what Passover is, there really isn't a lot of representation here. So start with things that people already know and are chosen classics, the Rugrats, the Rugrats Passover special and the Prince of Egypt. And just like that fucking bop from Debbie Friedman. Like, <laughs> choice. It's a good song. Our high school choir Who covered it. There it goes. You can achieve. I think we're past fair use now at this point. Can you believe? Okay. I'm singing it so poorly that you wouldn't be able to recognize That's it. He's true. singing it just for Schneider. <laughs> Little gift. And for everybody who has not gotten enough Eric Silver in their life, where can the people find you on the internet and on podcasts? Well, you can find me on other multitude shows. I am the Dungeon Master of Join the Party, a fifth edition Dungeons & Dragons podcast where Amanda is on it. And our uh, kind of meta storytelling arc is definitely modeled after the four questions, now that I think about it. <laughs> All right, whatever, whatever you say. In, Why the plot, is this? in the plot recaps, the, the whole structure is is like a, a grandparent telling a child the about story the of the centering. Why is this robot different than all the robots? Well, going to find out. That's true. <laughs> uh, and I'm also the co-host of Horse, a basketball podcast that I promise you'll actually enjoy, Furious Listener. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at L Silvero, E-L underscore S-A-L-V-E-R-O. That would be my name if I was a Lucha Libre wrestler. Uh, I tweet all the time. Uh, come follow me. Um, and I just love coming on Spirits and telling you guys stuff. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, bud. It was great having you, as always. Listen, fourth time. I'm going, going for that number five spot. I'm in the five timers club on Spirits. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. what are the jackets going to look like? Uh, it's like... Um, Starter Z jackets, like from 90s hip hop. Got it, got it. That's what I was picturing too. It's true. Love it. Well, have a very happy Passover. And until next time, listeners, remember, stay creepy, stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors. DoorDash will give you $5 off your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code SPIRITS at checkout. HoneyBook is a purpose-built business management platform for creative small businesses. Get half off your first year on HoneyBook.com with the code SPIRITS. And Care Of is a personalized vitamin delivery solution. Get half off your first month of personalized vitamins with the code SPIRITS5050 at TakeCareOf.com. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just one dollar gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.